Welcome to Splash Play, ladies and gentlemen. The week 15 semifinals are over. We hope you made it to your fantasy championship. Spags, I suppose we have a Monday night game, but if you don't have it locked up tonight, I don't know. I wouldn't feel too good about tomorrow's game. No, tomorrow's game looks absolutely horrible, but you know what? For all you guys out there, we're still going to give you our ride or die picks. We're still going to talk about Sunday night football. We're still going to give you the waiver wire snake draft, even though that is less relevant by the week. And of course we have stat shaming and all our usual fun and hijinks on the show. So Pete stall for roughly seven and a half minutes while I set up the intro. Yes, seven and a half minutes. Uh, unfortunately, I only have a tight five that I do at the local stand-up comedy club, but I'm sure I can come up with two and a half minutes of material. The show starts now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another glorious week in the NFL and another exciting week here on Splash Play. Week 15 of both our show and the NFL season. And we're going to talk about all the things you need to know and maybe missed in this chaotic Sunday leading into the Christmas break. I'm Chris Spags, joined once again by your friend and mine. He's Peter Overzet on Twitter. He's also Peter Overzet in real life. How are you doing, Pete? Yeah, do you think I made a No, you're you're at you're at Chris Bags on Twitter. You're you're someone that leans into your brand name, not one of these things that you create and then regret years down the road. <laughs> I do there have been times though where because of, you know, my career trajectory where I've thought like it might be better just to make a fake handle like the uh like the Barry McCockiner guy or whatever yeah. and just start doing some troll tweets that are maybe you know vaguely alt right in a way that's uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> do you know do you know who that guy is? No, I, I think I just know the character and I yeah. listened to one of his podcasts once and I'll say it was no splash play, but he's certainly funny in his own right. I see. I always wonder about that stuff. Like it takes, you know, I, I obviously like PFT commenter transition from just internet uh, or written hijinks to podcasting. But I always wonder, cause sometimes you see these guys that are funny on Twitter and then they'll do a podcast and you're like, Oh, you should probably just stick to writing. <laughs> yeah. There've been a couple times. I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard to be good on Twitter. You Pete knows Pete's. I feel like you're one of the rare dual threats where you can be funny on Twitter and then you can go on and on video, you like look like a normal human being and you're like confident and like, that's not a very, that's not a frequent combination you find on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, did, I don't know. I can't. I don't know. You can't. You can't toot your own horn that much. That would no. <laughs> but but I'll toot it for you. That's that's why you listen to Splash Play and check out all of Pete's content is because he's a a rare bird here and and hopefully uh, you are also rare in as much as you're going to be following us on social media at Splash Play Pod right now relative to the human population. That would be a rare thing for you guys to accomplish out there. We are following back the first thousand people. Pete, I know you saw we did pass 420 subscribers on YouTube, which you know Pete and I maybe both and enjoy the a little bit of the let's say a little bit of the chiba which is like a 70s tommy chong way of saying it but you know yeah. what it's uh it's funny you say that because literally moments before here uh before i got on i had washed some of my bowls that i had not washed in a while and i was like i, I wonder if i should tell spags this anecdote about how i was like <laughs> i was gonna say to you like 
dude, it feels so good to clean one of your bowls. And then I like, as I said, it, I'm like, that sounds like such a stoner high <laughs> thing to say, but we just passed 420 followers, dude. So everyone clean your bowls, dude. Take a big rock bong rip to celebrate splash play. We love you. Did you dip it into the isopropyl alcohol and do the whole thing? Cause that's actually one of those, like it's like power washing videos on YouTube or like there's a Reddit that's dedicated to that as well. Like it is a very gratifying experience cause it comes out there you go. Yeah. It comes out like yeah. so clean, but the water itself, that you're cleaning it with or the the liquid is is disgusting yeah but i don't even care dude oh no (laughs) (laughs) that's what it means to be a true stoner bro sometimes you chug your isopropyl alcohol just to get a kick dude i'll I'll shotgun it dude i don't care (laughs) but either (laughs) we're off the rails so earlier so guys make sure you hit that like button and subscribe if you're listening on apple podcast five stars and a review help us out a bunch there we are growing we're building the platform here hopefully we'll have some exciting things to come down in 2021 after our inaugural season here on splash play but uh, we appreciate you guys being a part of the community and and part of that too uh this isn't really a plug as much as it is an announcement on wednesday we'll be doing our special holiday show pete and i a new that's important especially as a new show to establish your traditions early and Pete, near and dear to our hearts. Modest, we've already been doing some version of this some weeks. You guys may not be able to tell, but we are getting blitzed on Wednesday, and we're doing a Christmas special splash play with some of our nearest and dearest friends. Yeah, you know, uh, on Thanksgiving Wednesday, uh, you know, before Thanksgiving, we called it Blackout Wednesday, and I think we're going to try to create it here for Blackout Wednesday before Christmas Eve. We're going to round up some friends. Haven't, you know, solidified the full guest list yet, but we will have a nice blitzed, hammered uh rocking around the christmas tree time yeah we, we you know we like to bring the guests here our last week if you missed uh the most recent episode of splash play which got delayed a little bit because of just us needing to get a day together to have some better information a better read on things and harif hassan uh i feel like embracing the ride or die place as much as anybody out there really rubbing your face in it and i guess mine ostensibly as well just want to say we we love all our guests i think we've had great guests on the show this year i absolutely loved arif he was so good so fun uh yeah so if you for some reason missed uh that episode on uh friday definitely go back and check that out because arif is awesome yeah pete's been doing a great job booking the guests this year making sure we have people who not only are sharp and, and smart about things but also fit the vibe that we try to bring here making it fun making it serious all that stuff and arif was one of them and speaking of making it fun making it serious uh sunday night football so far pete at least for me i'm not enjoying this <laughs> i'm not enjoying this game going on with the the browns and the giants baker uh had a great game earlier in the week in the bright lights a shootout performance Looked amazing, really better than I would have thought against a pretty tough matchup against the Ravens. And now he's playing the Giants, and it's just a slog of a slog of a slog. And this is why, Pete, I personally, I just don't like Baker Mayfield anymore. I think he seems like a cool dude. I just, as a player, I'm so out on him. Yeah, and, you know, full confession, sometimes I have these Sundays where I, you know, try to cram and tilt enter the showdown slate. This weekend, I was just like, I'm not doing it. I just want to, you know, just chill, come into the splash play with just a really relaxed, I just wash my bowls kind of vibe. And so <laughs> I didn't I didn't play this slate. So I don't quite fully share your tilt, but I, I understand what you're going through. It's the other big observation, which, I mean, I think says a lot about Jason Garrett, who's been the offensive coordinator for the Giants this year but uh a lot of alfred morris tonight like a hilarious amount of alfred morris and wayne gallman you know last year i thought wayne gallman sucked pretty bad this year he has made some strides looked a little better had a ton of touchdown equity within this giants offense and now they're playing alfred morris and it's like what is the point of this i get they could still make the playoffs but it's just it's insane that alfred morris is playing really serious snaps in an important game 
I think the point is just to prove that running backs don't matter. Like if you can make, if we can have uh, you know, a Sunday in 2020 where Leonard Fournette, Frank Gore, Peyton Barber and Alfred Morris are crushing. Like, I, I think the argument is done. It's done. They don't matter. Anyone can go in there and uh, plunge in for a one yard touchdown. And there's one guy we're going to talk a good amount about this week, Tony Pollard, who maybe is the best case study of that uh, filling in for a very expensive. And then I guess this, week injured I don't I didn't even know he had an injury but Ezekiel Elliott sat but uh, that's a story we're gonna get to in a second the big story this week and uh you know look where we go on here you might be able to see it in my eyes as we do splash play dying inside each week as once again week 15 we are now Pete a perfect 15 for 15 on people who watch or listen to or engage with splash play in some way winning the millionaire maker winner and this week it's Jay Hudson one our dearest friend Jennifer Hudson goes from winning an Academy Awards winning the millionaire maker it's honestly unreal. I, I just can't even, I, I need a math petition, you know, to kind of quantify the odds of someone winning a million dollars that is a listener and fan and a super fan of our show week after week. It has to be like one to the trillionth power. So I am truly humbled. I'm honored. And uh, and frankly, Darren Rovell should take a second from, you know, live streaming, cashing out his Northwestern futures to covering this incredible story. How did that actually end, by the way? Did he take whatever offer they made? Yeah, it, I will admit it. Uh, it was actually very good content. I was like very much enjoying watching that on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, he ended up cashing out for like 68,000, which he timed it really well because the offer continued to plummet as Northwestern got uh, further and further uh, down to Ohio State. So yeah, it was pretty good. He, his mom hopped on there with them. The guy from Points Bet was giving him real-time offers. And I'm like, all right, I enjoy it. Even my cynical, cold, dark heart, you know, I was like, this is good content. Yeah, I, action does sometimes. You know, I know we had Matthew Friedman on. He was great. Some of their guys over there do a really great job, um, you know, I, whether I know them personally or not. But um, I do feel like sometimes the Rovell content, you know, he's a divisive figure, but trying a little too hard. But I do feel like that is one of those things where, you know, it's interactive. It's I don't know if you remember this, Pete, but like the famous Facebook Live experiment that BuzzFeed did where I, there was like 100,000 people watching them put rubber bands around the watermelon. That's basically what Rovell did. And when you could scratch that itch, it does work pretty well. Yeah, and I think what was satisfying about it is doing, like, gambling content is hard, as is. Um, you know, giving picks and stuff is so hard. Lines move, you need to shop, all this stuff. So, like, this idea of having a futures ticket where the value is being determined in real time and then having that cash out option, it was like the perfect, you know, um, you know, I can't even find my word, it, the intersection of entertainment around a futures bet. And so I thought that was super smart. And I would love to see more of that stuff. It literally made me want to be like, I should make a bunch of random futures bets and see if I could get one of those where I have to like sweat and uh, and decide on a cash out. But yeah, kudos to them. It was fun. You got to get in before Darren Rovell pops that bubble. Also, I just need to point out Pete and I usually enjoy an adult beverage, sometimes a water, depending upon the day on the show. Um, I've talked about how my girlfriend Whoa. makes eggnog. Look at this elaborate eggnog that I'm drinking, which is not fit to do a show while drinking. <laughs> like, wow. So does that have a, mm. is that whipped cream and like sprinkles and nutmeg? Yeah, like Christmas cookie sprinkles or some nutmeg in there. It's a handmade or a homemade eggnog. And yeah, it's it's really good. It's just like we need like a beer to swig in between a take. So we're like, hey, man, like Miller Lite, dude's rocking it. <laughs> Dude, I just washed my bowls. Gonna take a rip of Modelo. 
But the the gentlemanly sipper, not even gentlemanly, like I feel like a little nebbishly librarian who's getting some time off and I'm like, mm, here's my eggnog. <laughs> so it's there. Here's the thing. I'm a little bit jealous. My thing is I'm definitely full right now having eaten dinner. So like a light beer is easy to go down. Like I don't know if I'd have the appetite, but man, eggnog is one of my favorite things. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. jealous. I don't have it after December, but in December, though, it is purely eggnog season. And uh, <laughs> by the end of the month, I'm just going to be bloated here, sweating Did- eggnog on the street <laughs> i mean this show's already off the rails so i gotta tell you my eggnog story from the other day so my my sister-in-law she like lives by this place that ha- has really good homemade eggnog you know whatever some i don't know dairy farm well, i don't know and so she brings me like this quart of it and i cherish it because it's some of the best eggnog i've had and i was down to like a third of it left and you know i'm having some late night eggnog the other night and i'm shaking it up a little bit like it has the cat you know whatever yeah the fresh Apparently. stuff gets a little bit of accumulation yeah, right? yeah. the cat flies off and like half of the eggnog goes all over the place. So I'm so mad because this was like, I'm going to have it. I'm going to have a sip of eggnog and go to bed. And now I'm like having to clean this up. And so I'm so mad that I just rage chug the rest of what was left in it. I was like, I'm so bad. I'm just chugging it, cleaning up and getting the hell out of here. So that's how I enjoyed my last bit of eggnog. But you know what? I bet it was still delicious going down. Maybe not yeah. so great the next morning, but in that moment in time, chugging eggnog, that's that's beautiful. I will say, I, I don't know, can you show restraint with it? Because it is one thing where, and maybe I'll do this on Wednesday, but I, like, eggnog, I could chug. It, I really, it just goes so de- down so easy. I feel like I could just polish off a quart of it. I could drink a lot. My girlfriend deliberately, because she makes it by hand now, so it's better than having, like, the half gallon, you know, whatever, yeah. from a store. Um, so she'll make a pot's worth, and I think she was like, I'm going to make four servings. And I was like, maybe make five. And she was like, I'll keep it at four. So that's sort of the check and balance we have. You would have gotten five if you hadn't made fun of her paintings on our last show. <laughs> she actually asked specifically, could I show her better paintings on the stream? Which, to be clear, are still not good, but they are on our fridge like we have a child. So that's, that's how it goes. Yeah, you're, I'm surprised you uh, emerged from the doghouse after that slam. I think, again, I, I, one of our guys tweeted it. One of our followers was like, hey, like, is somebody going to be, is she going to be mad about that? And I was like, I think she'll just be happy that her art was seen by people like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you got to get it out. I mean, what kind of a platform uh, do we have here that someone wouldn't be so excited to have their work shown? (laughs) Exactly. They saw your caricature. They saw her art. Either way, (laughs) Jay Hudson won. The Millionaire Maker winner. That's what we were talking (laughs) about. It's, you know what, this is the the show is at its best, I'm sure, when we get to the actual lineup 13 minutes in. But uh, Jalen Hurts, the the winning quarterback, and Pete, this is one that actually has some real-life ramifications for our ride-or-die picks for the week. You know who said that Jalen Hurts is going to be the Millionaire Maker winner? This guy right here. 10 points where <laughs> oh right here I, it's confusing because of the zoom oh is Arif <laughs> Arif's not still on the show okay I don't know it's confusing but uh, Jalen Hurts I, I feel like we got to talk about him again and I, I got to say he might make an appearance again in the snake draft that we're going to do um, he's still under 40% rostered on ESPN but he's a monster man he's he's looking good he's clearly a better improvement than Carson Wentz who uh, there was a report I saw today about him being like he wants to get traded if he's not starting next year I don't know <laughs> Who's going to take on the $150 million he has left? But, but Jalen Hurts, I love him, man. He's fun to watch. Like, to me, as a Cowboys fan, you know, somebody who has to watch more of the NFC East than I want. I just like having a fun team there. Like, Jalen Hurts, I don't think he's a world beater, but he's a dude every week. Like, he's going to do something fun. He's going to keep it lively. He's not turning the ball over as much as you think either. And I'm buying in on Jalen quite a bit. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you're kind of a fair weather backup QB guy. One week it's Ben DiNucci, the next week it's Jalen Hurts. It's really hard to know where your allegiances lie, Chris. 
It's true, and uh, they are different guys. Jalen Hurts' real name, uh, Jalen Hurtsalini. <laughs> okay, easy there with the Mussolini-sounding last names here. You, what, you, you can't add Alini on something? What about Broccolini? Do we have to just get rid of that, too? I don't know. Hurtsalini just sounds a little more closer to Mussolini than it does Tortellini. Just saying. All right, fair enough. Also, at running, at running back, uh, besides Jalen Hurts, is practically a running back, though he did throw for 300 yards, so... He's got that going for him. But David Montgomery had actual running back DeAndre Swift. Uh, Pete, you are the earliest Swifty. I'll give you credit for that. And uh, those are the two running back plays. And I think one thing which I, I feel like we could talk about at some more length, but David Montgomery last week, pretty much the same price. Everybody's like, this guy's amazing. Cram him in. This week, he's got arguably as good of a matchup. The Vikings defense, uh, not as good as it's been in previous seasons. And Montgomery not owned at all, as all the other chalk goes to guys like Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, uh, some of the cheaper guys as well, Leonard Fournette. There were a lot of places people went, and they just didn't go to the dude who everybody loved and who's been smashing for the last month. I know. I was like looking at my stuff this morning and I was like, David Montgomery's a good, a good tournament play. And I just couldn't do it. I was like, you know, his price has gone up. I still don't think he's good. I, I, you know, I don't necessarily love this game environment, but like just looking at the numbers, I'm like, he's low owned and he has a high ceiling in a relatively good matchup. Uh, and I whiffed it. I didn't have any of him. And Swift as well. I mean, honestly, I do think with Swift, like he got there, but I did feel like Fournette was a better play. I had Tony Pollard as well, who merged a little bit later, I think was a better play, but you know, maybe just getting a Swift at that price point, maybe that makes the construction a little different. So I don't know if you have a strong feeling here, but I just felt like maybe he got a little too different. Maybe he didn't have to get, you know, so different where he could have gone to Montgomery, didn't need Swift, but I think otherwise still a fine lineup. I just don't know that I would have necessarily needed to make that choice. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. That's, you know, that's the thing about our listeners is they, you know, they take enough from us to know the best plays and then they just know where to tweak it, just where to get weird, the kind of pivot you need to win a million dollars. And that's what makes our audience so special. A wide receiver and the millionaire maker for uh, Jay Hudson won Calvin Ridley, who really was a play that should have been higher owned. He was in five to 10% pretty much everywhere, 7% in the million maker itself. And uh, Pete, he was the number one projected guy on Osmos projections. I presume pretty similar in a lot of other spots to me. That was one that like, I, that shouldn't have been as low owned as it was. I had uh, four times the field on Calvin Ridley and that was great, but I just kind of assumed he would be like 20% and he just didn't get there. Yeah, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, and I think what happened is there's this narrative, right, that the Falcons are awful without Julio Jones, and people just don't want to play them. I Where I got tripped up is I liked that game, and I was more playing the Bucks side, and I was bringing it back with the cheaper Falcons. So I had Hurst and Gage coming back, but I didn't end up paying up for Ridley. But, man, when, when Matt Ryan smashes, like – everyone gets there like the whole offense gets there and I think this was just like people kind of glossing over that hey they're at home the Bucks are vaguely fraudulent and Calvin Ridley has an alpha wide receiver one target share and also you know it is a run it is a pass funnel team you know the Bucks are not a good uh are not very good against the pass especially relative to how good they are against the run and Todd Gurley wasn't going to be the one who broke that open today so uh, something to keep in mind moving forward in these final few weeks. Other receivers of this millionaire maker, Corey Davis, Marvin Jones. Uh, really, I didn't have much of these guys. I had uh, probably a dart throws worth in my lineups this week, Pete. But I, I don't know what to take away from it other than these were guys who, um, I don't know, Corey Davis just underappreciated on the year. Marvin Jones has been the wide receiver one with Kenny Galladay's tragic Brazilian butt dancing injury. Besides that, though, like I just didn't think these guys were going to be worth that much exposure. And I guess they were. 
Yeah. And the, the only way I ever end up on like, I'm never the guy generally that's just, you know, beautiful mind, Russell Crowe style, identifying a Corey Davis one-off. I got there in my uh, Ryan Tannehill double stack. Cause I'm like, I feel like one of AJ Brown and Corey Davis is going to go off. I don't know which one. So I'll just play both. And then I ended up playing Deandre Swift as the bring back instead of Marvin Jones. Um, Marvin Jones has just been one of those guys. No one ever wants to play him because he seems super high variance but he's getting a shit ton of targets, a shit ton of air yards. There's no Kenny Galladay. He's like the wide receiver one in this offense. And uh, I'm sure he'll be 25% owned next week and do nothing, but we should have been playing him when he was low owned, especially against Tennessee, which has been in one of those other defenses that are really not that good and does give up a lot of big performance uh, performances every single week. Uh, tight end Logan Thomas. I think this was just an interesting one too. No Travis Kelsey, a very expensive guy who did, you know, get there to get you the 20 fantasy points this week. But Logan Thomas, me has been kind of a secret weapon and I did think that there was a decent shot for McLaurin to get there because Haskins fed McLaurin pretty well last year but it makes sense Haskins comes in Haskins sucks Uh, he still sucks I think is the main thing I would take away from this game but he's going to feed the tight end who is going to make him suck slightly less and Alex Smith going to feed the tight end more but but 12 targets for Logan or 12 catches for Logan Thomas like uh, it checks out because that's just what happens against you know with a crappy quarterback and a, a Seattle team that does give up a lot of passing yards. Yeah, I was kind of tilting that actually because I played some McLaurin and, you know, there were some stats going around about his splits that McLaurin actually has a higher target share with non-Alex Smith quarterbacks. And I think it kind of checked out in that the the more inexperienced quarterbacks like Haskin, they don't go through their, their read progressions. They just laser focus on one guy. And Alex Smith, you know, goes through the progressions more, finds the random Cam Sims that are open. So I was chasing like, hey, are we going to get like a 40% target share? And it ended up being he just did the Alex Smith thing and like locked in on the tight end instead of McLaurin. So yeah, I was I was bummed to to have a bunch of McLaurin and not uh, Logan Thomas. Yeah, I think McLaurin was a pretty good play this week as well. And uh, Logan Thomas, you know, I, I had a little bit of, but not enough to make a big difference. And rounding out this lineup, Darnell Mooney, I think just one of those dart throws at 3,900, where I guess that's the pivot to the Lynn Bowdens of the world, guys, who are decent value plays. You know, it's one of those weeks where I feel like you could have built a, like, you could have theoretically built a better Millionaire Maker winner, but that said, it's just, you know, what lined up, what got there, and and Jay Hudson won, knows. It doesn't matter, you know, if it's the ideal, if it's the optimal out of everything, it just had to be the winner this week. Yep, the, uh, you know, to win the Millie Maker, you have to be perfect. And so far this year, the only people that are perfect are Splash Play listeners. And I think everyone can kind of take that to heart. That's true. And it can always get better. That's the part of the process here. So let's talk some other week 15 big stories. Make sure you guys hit that like button and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, five stars and review help us out a bunch. And I think the biggest story this week, Pete, because we are a fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. We talk betting. We talk uh, DFS. We talk season long. We do have to talk betting here. The Rams losing to the Jets. They were a 17 and a half point favorite at home, uh, which you know matters a little bit less this year than usual. Matters also not very much in LA generally because you know the team's here don't get a lot of support but uh this one pete would have been i think a 1700 money line so you put a hundred dollars on them you're winning 1700 bucks for the jets and I, I would have honestly still said that's probably not a great bet take the spread fine but the bet itself i would not have gone here pete but it worked and uh and cam makers i guess sacrificed himself for the jets to get one win and and possibly now not get trevor lawrence 
Yeah. I mean, again, we talk about these narratives that get floated around. I'm sure I've said it myself. The Jets don't seem like they're trying to win games. And it makes sense. They probably shouldn't be trying to win games. They should be trying to get Trevor Lawrence to be the new quarterback there. So to see them go out and be a team like the Rams, who is a competitive team, is a team that is trying to win games, and to have, you know, Adam Gase out coach. Sean McVay it's just like what the hell is going on and Sean McVay is already kind of hounded by these fake sharp kind of whispers around the NFL and this is uh not doing himself any favors yeah it's a surprising situation one that does happen and this was very much a a must win for the Rams I think now technically Seattle is ahead of them in the standings so uh you know really shot themselves in the foot in a way that you might not expect and and I guess the Jets, honestly, for the Jets, you know, we were not doing the, we're not in the draft prognostication business, at least in this part of the year. Maybe we will be when uh, we get a little more time. Maybe that's, maybe that's what we do, Pete, is we dedicate ourselves to being NFL draft experts for the few months of downtime. But I do think, you know, the Jets maybe could end up better off without that number one pick. Like, it does seem, you know, Adam Gase should be tanking. Like, if he, he's not, he's fighting for his job, I get he's not going to be aligned with their future plans. But, you know, you get a lineman in there or you get a real playmaker for Sam Darnold, like, maybe that does make Sam Darnold more viable and he's young enough where I think it could be worth that shot. Even though I do think Trevor Lawrence is a much better prospect than even Darnold was coming in. Yeah, I know. Uh, You know, you don't have to ask me twice to become an expert on something I know nothing about. So uh, becoming draft next sounds, uh, sounds right up my alley. That actually does seem like it'd be a very good Pete Twitter bit. You becoming an actual college draft Nick. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's funny. I haven't gone, like, I've done, like, kind of fantasy stuff because I play dynasty football, so I get into the rookies a little bit. And the combine and stuff is is fun. But, yeah, I could go full draft net, get my uh, binoculars out, my stopwatches, and uh, just really lean into it. I've also thought in the offseason that we should just do, like, a Madden franchise or just make that our bit where we, we draft teams and then make that the thing. I, we, we have to talk about our offseason plans. There's a lot of different ways we can take this one. Yeah, I'm interested in becoming a gamer. I actually just, and this is, you know, I know this is not going to be my hardcore gamer, but I'm, you know, I'm sitting around here like, hey, all I am doing is just at home. I need a video game system. I like, I want to do it. So uh, Lauren and I, we did get a Nintendo Switch uh, the other day. So I'm getting my toe, because I wanted something we could play together. Like I'm not playing Madden with my wife. So, but I will pay Madden with my work wife, Chris Spaggs. So, uh, our beautiful <laughs> matrimony finally paying off. Yeah. Speaking of which, please sign our guest book on iTunes. Is there anything more tilting there? I hear all the time, like from back when I used to go into an office when they'd be like my, my work, wife, my work spouse, that term tilts me. I don't know why, but I just realized it tilts me. It's it's a very it's a corny one. I get it though. I get that people do. You know, if I ha- if if I were in a situation with a work wife, I feel like I would find it problematic. I don't want to be. Like, <laughs> that's like work wife is like one company happy hour away from things being undesirable for everybody it, involved. Yeah, you. I mean, what one thing you know, or one uh, one second later, your uh, work wife is making you an eggnog. <laughs> With That's little true. Christmas sprinkles on there, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, if I am coming home with sprinkles on my face like stripper yeah. glitter <laughs> all of a sudden. Hey, Chris, I've had a really rewarding year working alongside you. Would you mind showing some of my finger paintings on the Splash Play podcast? <laughs> That's that's how true love happens. Another thing, Pete, which I'm going to say I found very tilting, and it was just they like Leonard Fournette got there. He was one of my highest exposed plays this week, so I'm not going to be too mad about that, even though he completely luck boxed, I think, the touchdown. Second half, he looked better, did, did get some good, good plays and protection, which I felt like kept him on the field more. I know Ronald Jones was a big situation, big opportunity rather for Fournette. But the Bucs just pissed.
piss me off. Like every week, they're either smashing, they're breaking everything. Tom Brady looks great. Then there were reports this week that Brady, if the season goes south for these guys, that Brady's going to somehow get Arians fired. And then they have that terrible first half. The second half, they look better. They end up winning the game. And I'm just like, this team could literally not make the playoffs. They could lose in the first round. They could win the Super Bowl. They could somehow beat the Chiefs. And I think it's all in the range of outcomes, which I guess, you know, makes them maybe the most dfs team of all. But I just, I despise them because every week it's just a headache and nobody ever actually adds value to my, my fantasy football experience. So I'm just mad. I'm just mad at them. <laughs> This week in particular, too, because I was very firmly on the train of Leonard Fournette being bad chalk. Uh, Longtime listeners will know I actually had Leonard Fournette under 10 DraftKings points in my infamous ride or die picks. I was ready to short him, and he literally backs his way into a touchdown, like two touchdowns from the one-yard line. He was going to fail, and the, the Leonard Fournette slappies, this is how bad it is. First of all, they got bailed out because Tony Pollard opened up, who was an infinitely better play. And yet like 20% of the field still stayed with Leonard Fournette. They said, no, no, no. I don't want the guy who's actually young and catches passes, isn't going to get 20 touches. No, no, no. I still want Leonard Fournette. And they still got two touchdowns. I'm steaming. Antonio Brown went down at the one. Mike Evans went down at the one. Tom Brady should have had four TDs and 400 yards in this game. And Leonard Fournette stole from us. Uh, see, for me, I actually made the argument on the, the Live Before Lock show for Osmo today where I was like, I just feel a little more comfortable with Fournette. He was a bit cheaper, and I did feel like he had the touchdown equity there because the Bucks Cancel do- Spags for this take. Cancel <laughs> him. I, you know, it's it's not about the skill. It's just about the opportunities in Fournette. You know, the, the Bucks offense does give red zone carries, does give carries inside the five. So to me, that was the thing is taking a guy who was cheap, who we knew was going to get more opportunity. And I, I didn't see the, the Falcons really game scripting him out where I thought, you know, if, if the Falcons put up a ton of points, then maybe you get to, to uh, LaShawn McCoy as being the guy who's going to catch more passes. But I just didn't see that happening. So for me, I'm like Fournette, you know, he looked well to Sims. That said, this is the one downside, which I know Pete can attest to as well. You're doing a, a live show during that final hour, especially you can't change a lot. And I know for me, I'm a, I'm the lead host for Osmo. So I have to actually pay attention and I can't be crunching things and screwing around. So at that point, when Tony Pollard was announced in, I was just like, well, fuck, I got to defend Leonard Fournette one way or another. <laughs> that was just where it was, even though, I, I mean, Pollard did project the best. I didn't love the matchup. I didn't think it was as good of a game script, but, but Pollard came through and uh, I think people were just too lazy to switch, including me as a, somebody doing content while it happened. Yeah, I had one of my busier mornings because I do a show from 11 to noon. So that news breaks and then I had my lineups and then I also wrap up the Fantasy Life newsletter right after is when I do my final touches. I write like 90% of it before and I was so concerned with going and updating my lineups, getting Leonard Fournette out of them and putting Tony Pollard in them that I like forgot to update the newsletter and thank God they didn't send it out. But it went like 35 minutes later than it was supposed to because I was just like too frazzled. I was like, holy shit, I got to get Tony Pollard in that I forgot to write about it. So to the good people that set their lineups based on the Fantasy Life newsletter at 12.15 p.m. Eastern, I'm sorry it came out at 12.45 p.m. Eastern today. <laughs> that's that's a publishing biz. I think everybody <laughs> just needs to know that. There's a lot of wheels at play. That's why, you know, I, I would find it hard to trust pre-published content. Like, even with Splash Play, like we've talked about it, where we get sometimes yelled at for not acknowledging 15-mile-per-hour winds uh, three days in advance. <laughs> but, but like, that you know, was the best one. They're like, <laughs> even with the wind, yes, the picks we made four 
days ago without our meteorology degrees. We didn't we didn't factor that in. No, unfortunately <laughs> not. But you know, content gets out of dated fast in this business, especially when you are playing daily fantasy sports. And uh, you know, for you guys out there, especially the people dabbling in a little bit more, maybe you had some success in your your season-long leagues and now you're playing DFS and trying to get better. Paying attention up to the last minute is really the best edge you have. And, um, you know, you can't tune out even when it's Christmas week because that's that's how you lose money. Uh, other big stories, I feel like the theme of the week, which we should just hit on, you know, chalk plays like Leonard Fournette, who we talked about, Travis Kelsey, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara. They just kind of barely survived the week. They didn't really get there while the Emmanuel Sanders, Saints pass catchers and Cam Akers, I think, actively blew up lineups. And I don't know what the lesson is because, like, you know, you should play some chalk. Like you shouldn't try to be too clever every week. But I do feel like, Pete, maybe it's at this time of year, maybe it's time to go even a little more off the beaten path where you're not going to the Derrick Henrys and the Dalvins. And like David Johnson was in the mix to be an a millionaire maker winner. And I, you know, not a play on paper that would have made the most sense, but just a dude who had the potential to get there and just nobody was on. And I think that was sort of the theme of the week was just if you played dudes that people weren't on, you might have gotten there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of been my theme for the year. Uh, that's that's generally what I try to do. So sometimes the chalk weeks I get buried. But mm-hmm. I do think one lesson that is really solidified for me, and I, I do, and this goes to your point of like playing some chalk, is the chalk that is in the late slate is so much more valuable. So like I largely fl- faded Derrick Henry, not because I thought he was a bad play, but because that was at 1 p.m. And I wasn't going to get the knowledge of how the rest of my lineups were doing. I built almost every one of my lineups with Alvin Kamara because he was late. And I knew if I'm doing good, I can let a Kamara team ride. Or if I'm behind, I can pivot off of him to Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, which is what I ended up doing on some of my bad lineups. So to me, that's one of the lessons too of like, when and where are you playing chalk and and how are you doing that? And so to me, it was an easy decision this week to fade Henry because he was so expensive and I have to make that decision without any other context or information for my lineup. I think for part of it too, for me is that, you know, Derek Henry, I, we've talked about my Monte Carlos Sims here, which we like, we joke about, but have been really helpful for my process. Cause it does give me a visualization of like how this should work, even though it's never going to be perfect. And I do think with that, you know, I, it's to your point. Cause I haven't thought about that quite as much, but like Derek Henry, I had, and I talked about it on the show I did earlier where like I had him being a 7% chance to be the top player on the slate. And maybe if a guy's chalky, maybe I should just only be playing that 7% because at least I'm capturing then his outcome where he is like, a true slate breaker, but we have enough guys getting volume now. And, you know, even if Cam Akers was a bad play, he's a bad play. He's gotten 20 touches a week the last couple of weeks, like in a, in a very positive theoretical game script that didn't work out. Like there's guys there to go to. And maybe that's the thing down the stretch is if you're, you know, if you haven't had the big results, even if you've been okay week to week, like I feel like I've been this year, like maybe it's time to just get a little weird with it. And I guess Pete, you've just been taking that to heart since week one. So maybe not for you for now. You're no. just, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, to me, like my natural, I have like a GPP brain in general. And also one difference between us, I, you, you, you mainly like mass multi-enter, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do the one fifties as much. Cause I just feel like those get a little too out of control, but yeah. I, I usually 20 max. Yeah. Right. And, and the difference too, is like, it's easier, I think for me to think through like late swap scenarios. Like when I build my Alvin Kamara teams this week, I know like, okay, if I'm buried, I can go Traquan Smith and Alvin Kamara to Jets wide receiver, Rams wide receiver, and they're going to be low owned. Like, so I have those already planned out. I think it's hard when you have a hundred lineups to think through those scenarios. And, but it, to me, it was just going back to your point of like identifying 
when can I play chalk? When, when should I maybe get away from it? And it's not that I have some great insight of who's going to bust or not. It's just, I know that having that information is valuable. And so in general, like a few weeks ago, Dalvin Cook was the chalk in the 4 p.m. And I started all my lineups with Dalvin Cook because I'm like, if I'm good, I let it ride. If not, I get off it. So that's just been like a little thing that's helped me break ties on those tough decisions. Yeah, I think it's it's worthwhile to think about. And, you know, maybe this is something we, we delve into a little more as we get uh, a little bit slower times here with the actual football product out there. Uh, but yeah, I think there's some things to think about, you know, and it's never a bad idea. I know for me, you know, we, we've talked about the idea of correlation and this last few weeks, I've actually cut down my my stacks. I haven't been double stacking and running it back. I've been doing a one man and one man stacks. And, and that's actually something that, you know, I think for a while was at, was suboptimal and now it might be optimal again because of the amount of QBs running. So it's always kind of a moving target, but one you should pay attention to. Uh, speaking of here, I guess our last big story was to me, the Tony Pollard one is worth delving in a little bit more. First of all, the Cowboys might make the playoffs. Uh, the Eagles losing today, kind of a surprise, but uh, if the Giants don't win this one, it's very much the Cowboys in the driver's seat for the division. Um, if we're especially to assume that Dwayne Haskins will be the one starting for Washington, uh, but a lot of NFC East come, games coming up here. But Pete, I think the main thing to me was that Tony Pollard, you know, a tough matchup on paper against the Niners, though maybe not as tough as last year. And he looked better than Zeke. I just think you got to say it outright is that, you know, I, I do believe that there's a skill to carrying the ball 20 to 30 times in a game and not, not fading down the stretch, getting stronger as you go. But I think if you're playing the NFL in 2020 or 2021 and you're the Cowboys, like, why wouldn't you just put Tony Pollard out there where he can catch the ball? He's explosive. Like, he fits the theme of the team. And, and he's also much cheaper than Zeke and, and been better on a per carry basis. Yeah, I, I thought in the week when I was reading the quotes about Zeke and they're like, yeah, man, he's really questionable. He hasn't been practicing. They're trying to run. It's like, why? Why are you doing that? Um, what's crazy, and I agree with you, like Tony Pollard, I, I truly believe is the better running back of the two at this point in their career. I saw Ryan McDowell. He's a dynasty guy. Ezekiel Elliott is under contract until 2027. <laughs> like this is absolutely insane. And another reason of like, you cannot give these running backs these large contracts. So I don't, I'm not a cap expert. I don't know the implications if they cut him, what kind of cap hits they take and all that. But it's also just wild of like Tony Pollard was, I believe he was like a fourth or fifth round guy. He, he was out of Memphis. He played with Darrell Henderson actually, and was like really, really good. And call it's like you can find these guys in the draft. You do not need to play an aging running back or pay an aging running back this much money through 2027. Like they are hamstrung now with this bad contract. It kind of bums you out because like I do think running backs get screwed the most because of the way that the contracts work where their best years are the years that are the cheapest where, you know, like a cheap QB like, yeah, that's a big part of building a team that's been a thing that worked out dating back to Russell Wilson, I think being the mo the first noteworthy one of that really working out for a team. But yeah, like, you know, you, you get paid then as a running back and your team just gets screwed and it feels to me like running backs should get paid more in their first couple of years. And there are also so many dud running backs too, where, you know, not to always put it on Trent Richardson. I feel bad for Trent Richardson that he's always the one you point to, but like Lawrence Maroney, how about that? So there's a lot of dudes who've been terrible as first round picks. And like those guys maybe should get paid more the first couple of years. And if they're really good, if they're Saquon Barkley and they got paid, but it just like, it sucks. Like they're, I, I would feel bad if I were running back. I feel like it's the one position in the NFL where it's just an immediate ding to your self-esteem. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I agree with you. I feel like they do need to fix the like contract situation to where these guys, especially running back, where they get churned and burned, and these teams are almost incentivized 
to run them into the ground, especially if they're on a re, uh, expiring contract. And it's just like, let's get this guy 350 touches. Like it doesn't matter to us. Whereas you see like one of the reasons why these talented rookies don't get you. Well, I think there's probably some reasons they're still learning the offense pass protection, but we've seen it this week. JK Dobbins, Deandre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Cam Akers, like all these guys were underutilized by our standards throughout the season. And I also think it's because the teams are wanting to rest them. They want fresh legs. Like the Ravens want JK Dobbins to be their guy in the playoffs. They don't want him getting hurt in week four. Um, so yeah, to go back to that, it's like these running backs need to get paid early because they might only have a three to four year shelf life. Like if you play dynasty, football and you go look at ADPs from literally three or four years ago, you're like, are you kidding me? Like half of these guys are already out of the league. It's nuts. Yeah. I feel like the year to year franchise tag is maybe the best that you could get. I don't know. There's something broken with the system, but I mean, there are smarter people out there maybe who will solve that or delve into that as we, I'm not a cap expert either. So maybe another thing we could work on in the off season, becoming cap experts, draft Knicks and playing. You're giving us a lot of homework assignments. (laughs) I'm just looking forward optimistically to the future. 2021. It's going to be great. Everybody. But it let's it get literally the- cannot be worse than 2020. No, it, so. would be, it would be the only way it gets worse is if somehow, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer, so please don't take this to heart, but if there's like zombies, like that's the one way it gets worse. If the vaccine somehow leads to like a 28 days later scenario. You know what? As opposed to all of your kind of analogies and hyperbole, uh, I thought that was going to be a lot worse than it was. I thought you were, I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. All right, so let's let's move on before it does get worse. I'm gonna <laughs> take the L, and we've sort of taken our L's here uh, for the most part. But we can ask here if which takes are we willing to take an L for, which do we want to deflect? And we talked about David Montgomery. To me, that was just one where. I think it was stupid in hindsight, and I even saw it as I was looking through the ownership and like, God damn it. And I pointed it out and was like, ah, but who cares? I'm with everybody, so it's fine. <laughs> and then that ended up not being the move. Um, but I, that's, that's sort of my big L for the week. I had too much Dalvin Cook, too much Derrick Henry. Neither killed you, so I don't feel bad about that. Um, Chad Hansen, not a superstar, I guess, but superstar good looks. So I, I feel like that's a half and half. But Pete, any L's you want to take? Um, generally I don't enjoy taking L's, but because you asked, you know, some of them, like I will not take the L on Leonard Fournette under 10 DraftKings points. Um, I just refuse so to, you just, you want to recount on that one. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, they are, I will, my lawyers, uh, Rudy Giuliani is actually looking into it and, uh, I trust that he will get that overturned. Um, what were some of my bad L's? Um, I went back to the Denzel Mims well, uh, like <laughs> I always do. Your, that is one of your ongoing ones. That you... in, in the Jets, finally, they finally look good, but they were so good that they didn't even need to pass. Yeah. Um, Arif I, actually pointed that out on Twitter, too, where it's like it's hilarious that they put up 20 points and that it still wasn't anything remotely involving Denzel Mims. <laughs> I tried to hit on the... Uh, uh, Cardinals passing game being in a really good spot with Christian Kirk. I got a little fancy there. Obviously, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as usual, absorbed uh, most of that work. Did I? I haven't crunched the numbers. Did Michael Pittman Jr. outscore T.Y. Hilton? Um, I don't believe he did. No, I, I, I put it down as a zero, but it might have just been me. <laughs> thinking that you it was just zero. you just reflexively put it down as a zero well i'm, I'm pretty confident it's a zero i'll, I'll double check right now but okay I'm because ty hilton didn't do anything either um let's see yeah ty hilton well because because zach pascal did everything but oh yeah yeah, yeah ty hilton uh four four x them so yeah T.Y. Uh, okay hilton yeah. all right so i'll take an l on that but i'm taking an l on michael pittman jr it has nothing to do with ty hilton 
Now, T.Y. Hilton, I, I think it's just, you know, we can, we, we can joke about T.Y. Hilton here. But T.Y. Oh, Hilton we'll is, joke about him. <laughs> well, no, because I, I, I should never joke about one of the loves of my early season that didn't pay off for me at all um, because I got off the train and then finally he goes off. But it's just touchdown variance. I mean, we're going to talk about in stat shaming with uh, Zach Pascal, but like that's the Colts. They're just going to throw it to whoever, and it happened to be T.Y. Hilton the last few weeks. But, like, T.Y. Hilton was 25% owned. T.Y. Hilton should not have been 25% owned. Yeah, uh, I was actually really surprised about it. he was he was a little lower owned in some of the higher buy in stuff. I thought the ownership was going to get out of control because he's been on fire. People love the narrative of him going against Houston and he was only 5500 on DraftKings in a high total game. Uh, so I'm actually surprised he wasn't even more popular. So let's do some victory laps because we don't like taking L's here and we have enough victories this week to go to. And for me, my big victory of the week was I didn't fall for Emmanuel Sanders bullshit. And I feel like this is one of those things where the DFS community sort of does really have that goldfish level memory where apparently forgot that Emmanuel Sanders wasn't a target monster when Michael Thomas was out just literally just a couple weeks ago. And it's worth pointing out this broke after our our Friday show, but Michael Thomas out until the playoffs at least. Um, So we'll see how he goes there. A weird season for him overall. Definitely one of the one of the biggest middle fingers here to tie back to last week's segment but um Pete like none of the Saints really got there uh you know Taysom Hill got uh got some work but not enough to be a starting QB uh Alvin Kamara was fine enough didn't kill you so that that's a positive but Jared Cook not good Traquan Smith got hurt so you give him a an incomplete but he still wasn't trending towards being good and Emmanuel Sanders was fine relative to the price but he also got there in garbage time like I think at a certain point, we just have to acknowledge the Saints are not a team that you should trust in any way because that ball's going to anybody and everybody. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what happened with the Saints here. I mean, I'm already wanting to see the uh, Taysom Hill-led offense again. You know me and my bias against these olds. Uh, Drew Brees didn't seem like he had it there. Uh, and I do think the offense obviously takes uh, a bit of a ding without Michael Thomas. But still, in a spot like this, you would hope they would be a little bit more uh, productive here. Alvin Kamara, I guess he, like you said earlier, kind of gets there for people, but doesn't pay off at that ownership level uh, at all. So yeah, the Saints, I also saw some takes from people on Twitter where they were like, they're clearly not showing everything they have. Like they already have the playoff spot locked up. Like they're not, you know, mixing in all of their best play calls. So maybe there's a little bit to that, but yeah, definitely a disappointing spot here where everyone was super excited to scoop up all the Saints value. Yeah, Latavius Murray is still taking enough away from Kamara for him to maybe get to those early season heights that he had. And uh, Drew Brees certainly teetering closer to washed up, even if he does have a little more trickery to go here with Sean Payton's play calling. Uh, Pete, I'll let you take one more. I'll take a victory lap here if if you don't have one, but um, but if you have one, now it can be your turn. Um, you know, victory laps here. It's like, I have so many that I could, uh, cleaning your bowls. That was a big one. <laughs> I did say Michael Gallup outscores Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, just what we a both got three call. points. I had Dalton Schultz outscoring him and we both got three points for that. <laughs> there we go. Uh, easy game, easy game. Um, you know, my, uh, I'll review it tomorrow on my YouTube channel, but I did have a Tannehill double stack, like fading Derek Henry, was kind of my one of my big stands uh, just because I thought at that price and ownership, I mean, he really did have to go to four, for 40 to really hurt you. And he could have. We know he could have. But I thought there were ways that the Titans could score 
uh, that wasn't fully through Derrick Henry. And that's exactly how it played out with Tannehill, you know, getting a, a large portion of the, of the touchdown. So I'll take a victory lap on leveraging the Derrick Henry chalk. And my last victory lap here before we get into stat shaming here, and we're going to do a little faster down the stretch because we've luxuriated so much about our various topics, but, um, Pete, another fantastic snake draft by me last week, which I won a victory lap. Chad Hansen, a great pivot to Emmanuel Sanders, got a touchdown. Lynn Bowden, who ended up being one of the top value plays this week, didn't have a monster day, but you know he looked competent out there with every Miami Dolphin out. Tyron Johnson looking good, even with Keenan Allen playing and, and really ruining that slate on Thursday. And Russell Gage, steady slot guy. I mean, this is really one of the finest waiver wire snake drafts I would wager have ever occurred on YouTube really because I would like to say someone two weeks ago drafted Jalen Hurts actually last uh, week you took Jalen Hurts I took Jalen Hurts two weeks ago (laughs) I took Jalen Hurts before you (laughs) I don't think you did I did because you go oh my god I'm so pissed that you took that because I was encroaching on your brand of loving these backup (laughs) running backs now see now I've forgotten Willis go roll the tape I promise you I took Jalen Hurts before Spags and I will always victory lap that there was one week that I didn't make the waiver wire snake draft graphic and I'm wondering if that's oh yeah maybe maybe the week where I crushed it you forgot to make the graphics let's see last week you took Jalen Hurts that's correct I think the week before I didn't do a graphic and then oh man I might I might have actually missed a few I might have missed a few waiver wire snake draft graphics if I'm being honest I don't know (laughs) <laughs> more than I realized, I guess. Week 11, yeah. though, I took, uh, you took Jakeem Grant, and that was bad. No, this is this. <laughs> like, the fact that, Sp- you know, again, you know, Spags, shout out to Spags. He, um, him and, I believe it was producer Trey, who yeah, was Tra- really. Yeah, Trey got fired. Now we, we just Trey- became one. We merged our consciousness yeah. together. <laughs> Trey was doing a lot of great work for us, and then Spags didn't really like his vision. So shout out to Spags on all of our production on social media, except when he skews it to only highlighting his great calls. In, I straight up case- for, I guess I just didn't do two weeks of wave wire snake drafts. I guess it was a hectic two weeks. So that's, yeah, no, I'm sure. Yeah. It just happened to be the, my best two weeks of my <laughs> entire life that you forgot to put up there. Well, we'll do the wave wire snake draft a little bit. And if, if for some reason you rode through the uh, 45 minutes of the show and didn't realize we have timestamps down below. So if you want to skip around, you can also do that, but let's do stat shaming. Let's make it fast here. Stat shaming. Of course, we have to ask the question that these plays get unsustainable numbers, or do we consider them beautiful and a healthy way to touch us? And the first one up, Pete, it's got to be the guy we talked about, Tony Pollard, 12 carries, 69 rushing yards, and two TDs. Also had six catches for 63 yards on nine targets. A lot of targets for him. Uh, Tony Pollard, I will not shame at all here. Uh, we don't need to do the prolonged metaphors. You guys know them by now. So just insert one of them from one of the weeks that we had before. But Tony Pollard, to me, looks good. He's been on the come up. We've seen his his Instagram followers on the rise. And now that only fans is out, and I'm subscribing, Pete. That's how I feel about Tony Pollard. Yeah, I'm not going to stash him. Uh, Tony Pollard is like Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls, you know, where there's like technically like the hotter girls. But as the movie goes along, you're like, no, nah, man, Lindsay Lohan's the hottest chick in this movie. So uh, that's who Tony Pollard is. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he's washed up. He's a has-been cake face. Give me Lindsay Lohan, the real deal, the girl next door <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott in the burn book now for being, <laughs> we've shamed him and he's out of our lives Tony Pollard we worship the next one up Zach Pascal five catches 79 yards two TDs and right away this is a quintessential stat shamer we're here where you just got to take him down a peg he thinks he's hot shit he's strutting around town but you know what those pants don't fit as well as 
Zach Pascal thinks they do. And quite frankly, it's just a, a matter of how things go in Indianapolis. He's an Indianapolis 10 this week, but next week he's going to be a, a Denver 5. I don't know who they're playing, but wherever he goes, he's going to be a 5. It's just how the Colts offense works. We keep seeing it every week. Don't buy into the guys like Zach Pascal, who his first game over 20 fantasy points this week, he's not going to have two touchdowns. Touchdowns the most variant thing around. Um, Zach Pascal, uh, a lesser man, T.Y. Hilton for sure, Pete. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm stat shaming him. Uh, you know, he looks good from far, but he's far from good. Um, that's what assholes in high school used to say about girls. So it seems appropriate uh, here for Zach Pascal. I still think he's, uh, you know, third, probably fourth, maybe fifth in the pecking order if you include the running backs there. So do not chase the beautiful flash in the pan Zach Pascal. Do you know what, what movie that's from? And also, bonus question, do you know what the actual references that that would be called the person who looks good from far but far from good i don't know I, I would assume it's like from a movie like dazed and confused or something like that it is from clueless and they called that person a monet because they look good from afar oh, okay I guess. Yeah, there so we there go little... i didn't know these uh these guys on my high school basketball team were big clueless fans <laughs> there you go it, it was just so popular but this also clueless came out i think 25 years ago now so yeah uh, so yeah. hey drink your eggnog whipped cream at the point if you're if you're like me and hate getting older uh last stat shame here marcus mariota the thursday night game that we didn't touch on too much but mariota 17 for 28 226 yards one touchdown one interception because it's still marcus mariota but nine rushes for 88 yards and a td and this was the mariota we for whatever reason didn't get to tennessee he certainly was not playing as well down a stretch uh we've seen ryan Tannehill come in do a better version of what mariota should have brought to the table the pete with what Derek carr has done this year what this raiders offense seems to be doing and just the idea that he can run 10 times in a game like i would not shame marcus mariota maybe he's just finally grown into his adult lungs and he's his but his his final form is being reached he's now uh he's now no longer a sweet innocent charmander he's a glorious charizard that's what marcus mariota is and yeah, i'm saying charizard's sexy because i like power so pete <laughs> what Marcus Mariota, and I just got to pat myself on the back for always coming up with a new fresh analogy. Marcus Mariota is the girl in like a 90s sports movie, you know, think uh, Mighty Ducks or Big Green or, you know, something like this. And she's like the goalie or something. And, you know, the guys think of her as just one of the guys. And so they're like, yeah, whatever. And then like they go out and they get gussied up for something. She like actually does her hair and stuff. And they, they see her as someone other than just someone who they play sports with. And they're like, Whoa, she's hot. That's what Marcus Mariota was here. So he's always had it in him. He just needed a chance to get gussied up and for the rest of the world to see him for who he really was. And there's, there's a scene where Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs and Nelson Aguilar are like, whoa, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> whoa, dude. <laughs> I just cleaned my balls. <laughs> that's, that's all, boy. We're crushing this episode. <laughs> Let's get on to the next segment. And if you're sticking with us, you really, and you haven't hit the like button yet, I don't know what you're doing, but hit that like button. If answer. you're sticking with us, <laughs> bail now because this waiver wire draft is for the 0.01% of people who have made it to their fantasy championships. Well, you know, that's the thing though, is we have so many millionaire maker winners. I assume that the vast majority of people for us have made it to the finals. And, and now it's, you know, how do you optimize? Because I would say for, you know, week 
just real generally for week 16 like i would play anybody who i think is better than the guys i have like let's a pure <laughs> volume thing where if you have you know what i'm trying to think who'd be you have josh jacobs or whatever i'm not giving up on josh jacobs getting 30 touches a game but if you have a guy who's like mediocre who's you've kind of just cobbled together and gotten through with and you can upgrade with one of these guys on the waivers like now is the week to take those risks because it's it's do or die for so many people out there it is. It is. And, um, you know, Spags and I have put hundreds of hours into uh, figuring out the guys you definitely have to add. And now we are going to share with you all of our hard work. So my 99 hours were spent sorting players by their performance this week. It was. We're really letting people know how the sausage gets made here, Spags. The, the illusion is crumbling before our eyes. Um, so one guy that I feel like we just need to point out before because he doesn't fit the criteria, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did leave today with an injury, had to be helped out in a way that didn't look great. So first of all, I would say take Bell if he's available in your league uh, just because you know we know that the opportunity that's there. Uh, though Bell also got banged up. So take whatever <laughs> Chiefs running back is available in your league when we have an idea on injuries, but that should be the first priority. Besides that, I'm going to take the first pick so you can take two in a row, Pete. And Jalen Hurts is not 40% owned yet, so he's got to be the number Get one at, pick. This is bold. like cancel the segment <laughs> if you're trying to take Jalen Hurts. I mean, this put is him so on upset. the graphic. Jalen Hurts is my number one pick in this week's waiver wire. Right, if we're draft. doing that, see, normally what I try to do is actually help people out and give them picks that aren't available in a standard league. But if you're literally just going to go by the percentage, I will game the system too. Okay, go ahead. You got two now. So if you really want to game it, game it hard. Oh, I'll game it. Let <laughs> yeah, me just now re game it. <laughs> so I'm just changing my sort from uh, available to all let's just make this segment unhelpful to anyone i'm so steamed that you took jay or more helpful because we drafted him three times bags who is listening to this show and hasn't picked up jalen hurts somebody who just didn't buy in the first couple weeks and if they're not paying attention they might stat shame jalen hurts or just walk by him and and here he is looking as sexy as a young marcus mariota (laughs) This is disgusting. <laughs> Who are your two picks? <laughs> Jalen Hurts, uh, by the way, off the board. So just to be clear, that's uh, he's the number one pick. <laughs> yeah, pick up uh, Marcus Mariota while you're at it. Uh, <laughs> you know, a guy that is basically like a hot chick who plays a goalie in a 1990s sports movie <laughs> that is 0.1% owned who could lead you to the championship in week 16. And I think he'll actually outscore Jalen Hurts uh, in week 16. So what a bad pick by Spags. <laughs> Marcus Mariota has a nice... No, no, no. I'm changing my mind. I'm taking Tony Pollard. Well, I get two picks. Yeah, you get two picks. Tony, take a Tony Pollard's my other pick. Yeah, of t- course you're picking up Tony Pollard. 2.4% owned. You slappy should have had him already. Yeah, Tony Pollard certainly should be rostered in the vast majority of leagues out there. And now that Pete's really come out swinging here, I love those two picks. I'm turning on you. I'm turning on the audience. <laughs> I hate this segment, and I'm so glad that it's over after this week. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't I don't have a great second pick. Oh, wow. <laughs> so you blew your load. As, as often as the case, blew it within one minute of starting. <laughs> But I will take, um, you know, I'm going to take Ty Johnson. I just, I think maybe you could expect a little more work here down the stretch. The Jets got their win. Uh, They're still going to have to play games, even though they are not a team that you want to see play games. They have Cleveland. They have New England in a game that probably won't matter, probably against Jared Stenham. So maybe they even have a lead there in week 17. If you're one of those weirdos, it was a week 17 league. So I'll take Ty Johnson here. Yeah, what a (laughs) shitty pick. (laughs) 
I got one more here, and I'll take another guy who maybe he has a couple more weeks of usefulness. Maybe he's just underneath Ty Johnson on the sorting mechanism. Uh, Jacoby Myers, he should, we had him in weeks ago uh, for the draft, and if he hasn't been rostered in your league, he should be only 34% owned or, or rostered on ESPN. And uh, Jacoby, just one of those guys, not an every week play, but in games where New England's going to actually have to throw, kind of like they did today, Jacoby should have some upside. So I don't mind taking a stab on him in the hopes that there are uh, you know, maybe one more week of usefulness for this New England offense. So Jacoby Myers will be my pick on the turn. All right. I'm going to stack uh, my Jalen Hurts. No, your Jalen Hurts with <laughs> Greg Ward, who appears mm-hmm. to be the apple of his eye, three straight games with five targets. Uh, forget D. Hember, it's D. Ward. That's what I call the month of December because Greg always comes out to play when the Christmas lights are out. Pick up Greg Ward or else I'll give you your money back. You will not be disappointed. (laughs) Also, while you're at it, pick up Savan Ahmed. Uh, Looked very good today for the Dolphins. Still don't know what's going on with Miles Gaskin. He did lose a little bit of work to uh, Matt Breida today, but still 23 carries, got a target for five yards, 122 yards, hit that rushing bonus on DraftKings. Savan Ahmed, the front runner, in this Miami Dolphins offense right now. And if we don't get Gaskin in week 16, he will be a must start. Something Spags would never dig deep enough to tell you. You know who actually didn't look so bad today? Uh, your your pal, Patrick Laird. Oh, I know. I, I was retweeting the highlights. <laughs> I actually didn't. For some reason, I don't get, because I sort by latest, so I don't see everything as it goes. But I'm sure if I sorted by top, I'd pr- I would probably see yours more because it's always some of my top tweets. But yeah, Patrick Laird, I thought looked pretty spry. I was happy for him. Happy for you too, by proxy. I, I sent him a message today because uh, the person who won the the fantasy football world championship for two point five mil had Durman Smythe. Durham. I Smythe. loved that play. <laughs> yeah, three thousand. You know, without Gasecki. So I told him to let Durham know that uh, he helped someone win two point five mil today. Yeah, Durham Smythe, uh, nice like minimum price or not minimum price, a little bit more expensive than that, but had had the same you know yard or routes targets per route rather uh, that Mike Kosicki had, and they you know, two is a weird quarterback man. He doesn't throw to anybody, <laughs> but when he does, he loves throwing to the tight end. Um, I'm gonna take the last pick here, and um, and I took this guy last week, so I'm not gonna take him. But I just want to point out Tyron Johnson under three percent rostered so far. He should be on your team down the home stretch here because Keenan Allen. You got to think Chargers not in the playoffs here, maybe a decent possibility he sits uh, but I won't go to him because we talked about him I nailed that last week Tyler Conklin though I'm intrigued by I don't think the targets are there necessarily and, and Irv Smith is probably the guy who's going to get more routes but if you're desperate at tight end I do think if Kyle Rudolph misses time I don't mind going to Conklin I just feel like he's he's kind of Irv Smithy <laughs> which is like he's he's they're good pass catchers they both are pretty good pass catchers Conklin a little bit better blocker but this is such a shit pick I can't even just <laughs> acknowledge this charade it is so egregious no one is going into their fantasy championship week and picking up tyler conklin like get the fuck out of here what are we even doing what if it's a five tight end league and you're like i need out of here (laughs) if i no one who's in a five tight end league is listening to splash play this is a podcast for the common man the layman in the 10 team the 12 team leagues not a 28 man tight end premium league you have been canceled for this egregious pick out of all the things that get me canceled that would be the one, but Arif had this, this kicker league where they get they get flogged and, and, and docked 25 points if the kicker misses a kick. So Okay, if you 
please, in the comments, if you are in a league where you start five tight ends and you found this Tyler Conklin advice helpful, please put it in there. I, I am willing to be proven wrong. I am willing to be proven wrong. Right. Thanks, Spags. I'm picking up Conklin so I know. All right. So Tyler Conklin. Rounds <laughs> Jesus. Tyler Conklin. What am I doing with my life? I, I was thinking also it was either him or Quez Watkins. <laughs> Why do you even make us do this segment? <laughs> it's well, we're not going to do it next week. We should, actually, we should do it next week just for week no, seventeen. I will boycott. I will literally put a stuffed animal in my chair while you tout like four string tight ends. I'm surprised you didn't do Durham Smythe. A Durham Smythe looked great today, man. Four <laughs> catches, fifty yards. How could you be mad at that? He's some would say Durham Smythe is a young Tyler Conklin who's a younger Smith Jr. <laughs> is Irv Smith? Uh, Irv Smith is probably 100%, I would say. No, no, he's, pro- he's guaranteed He's 7%. 40- he's 7%. Right? Just tout Irv Smith. Jesus. I, I like how Tyler Conklin looked. I guess you don't, if you don't watch, if you don't deep cut your tight Can ends. Can I get one more pick? Because I really want to talk about Jeff Swaim today. <laughs> Let's finish up with our rider tie picks for Monday Night Football. Of course, because you know what? This is the reason the picks are so good every week here, is because we were willing to talk about the Tyler Conklins of the world, to dig deep, to watch the tape and come back to I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, if you are happening to play the Viking showdown slate on the main slate next week, Tyler Conklin is looking like a great two hundred dollar pivot <laughs> off of the Earth Smith shot. He's, and he would still only be like 5% owned. <laughs> he still wouldn't be. I just can't believe that you tried to pull that shit off. Like you thought, because a lot of times when you do a pick, I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, I see it. Like, and I try to like, yes, and it, like affirm it. And I was just like, wait one second. What the fuck are you talking about? When Tyler Conklin breaks out down the stretch, you're going to, you're going to rue the day. A young Travis Kelsey. It's <laughs> go stronger. You're like you're like your girlfriend doing artwork, just going through the motions. Max. Oh wow! <laughs> oh no! So she's not Uh-oh. gonna be happy. She even she followed did. Lauren's baking company. So I feel like now this could be a whole. Oh no! Trip. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> Let's talk about baking <laughs> company. All we're doing is spending money on that company. Let me tell you that, Spags. <laughs> I feel like this is the let's move on before we get into actual trouble. Still waiting for that company to bring in any money, Chris. <laughs> you know what? She's not. It's hard to do like a to live up to the profitable podcast that we have. So that's a tough act to follow. Yeah, I wonder if Thrive would want to sponsor my wife's baking company. <laughs> Let's let's do the ride or die picks. I'm sweating. I'm crying. It's too much. We got Pittsburgh getting 27. Actually, we should do the quick catch up here. So this week so far, uh, a fine showing by our pal Arif Hassan. Uh, He did, in fact, finish ahead of Pete so far, pending the results of the showdown, which is going on right now, which I think we're all still live for. Uh, But Pete, uh, Arif, I I feel like just beat you. I don't know if you have a comment. Why are you talking as if you're not included? Did you beat him? Because I beat him. I'm I'm ahead of Arif. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I'm I'm more considerate to our guests than you. <laughs> that's that's true. You are you are kinder. You're you're booking them. That's part of the process. But um, yeah, really, the ten pointer that I got with Jalen Hurts was the one. Uh, yeah, we don't need to review the ones I got right. We just get to the the course here. But uh, actually, and one little f- funny part about this, our overall records right now, Pete. Um, and the record part, obviously, not what matters here. We take some shots. We are both heading into this week fifty two and one fifty four with our record. And you have 128 points with your 52. I have 143 points with my 52. So some could say I've been taking more risks the whole time. What are you talking about? We both Although, have 50, we have 52 right, correct so you, guesses. What you're saying is I should now come back to your side of being more interested in the record than the overall points? <laughs> um, yeah, actually, theoretically, because we are... Well, the week-to-week record, you had no chance of catching. But like in terms of our actual pick-by-pick record, we have the exact same number. We've gotten the exact yeah. same number of picks right and the exact same number of picks wrong. Willis did point out in the comments, I did say that I was going to do all 10 pointers <laughs> and I forgot about that with a reef. Uh, I will go back to that. Um, You're Wednesday's- only down 15 points though, like not including this week. So you don't really have to do that. I don't care, dude. YOLO buckets. <laughs> Right. I mean, if you're going to tout Tyler Conklin, that's like a hundred pointer. If you uh, pick if up, Ty- the- hang on. Someone start Tyler Conklin in their fantasy championship and send us a screenshot. <laughs> What what's the prize? They got Do we have an index card for it? For do we have a Tyler Conklin it, index? It, card? Well, I know this is like just ripe for deep fakes and lying, but if you can prove to me that you start Tyler Conklin, I have to add all these caveats because I know there's sick fuckos out here. If you start Tyler Conklin in a fantasy championship where there's more than two hundred dollars on the line, I will PayPal you a hundred dollars. <laughs> okay, but I need I need proof. Wow, I that's, need proof. That's a big giveaway. All right, so there you go. So there's your chance. If you hung on through an hour and five minutes of this show, <laughs> you're now getting cold, hard cash to play Tyler Conklin. See, it all works out. That's This is one of our bits that we planned out in advance. Pete really played his part well, and now, now here's I the I will have Willis, the accountant, uh, have to independently verify these claims. Only one person, be- by the way. You're not doing this for like 10 people. No, no, no. <laughs> and I, I'm being I'm being completely honest. I will pay you if, if you can verify it. But like I need to know. Like I can't just have you in like some free league or whatever and, and play Tyler Conklin. Like it has to be a league you made the fantasy championship on and you have $200 on the line. All right, so yeah, send it in. DM us at Splash Play Pod or, or tag Pete and I in a tweet. Chris Spaggs at Peter Oversett. One of us will see it uh, for sure. But yeah, let us know if you play Tyler Conklin. Uh, there's there's the challenge for Pete. If you really, if you want to hedge, <laughs> if your league is only $50, <laughs> just lie and say it's $200. Uh, <laughs> the- no, I just said no lying. I just said don't ruin the integrity of this f- nice giveaway. We haven't done something this nice since the Arnie Weinmeister giveaway. That's true. That was really the nicest thing we could do. So here we go. Here's the last one before we close out the year. Let's do the Ryder Night picks. Pittsburgh, 27 implied points. Cincinnati starting Ryan Finley, 13 implied points. And uh, I'll let you take whatever you want from this one because this is going to be an absolute dog shit Monday Night Football game. Chase Claypool, Captain book it all right um man i I honestly feel like this might be a a pittsburgh defense captain situation but um i'm gonna go you know what uh is this guy healthy is 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 james connor healthy do you know this offhand uh i i I saw today i wrote that he was questionable is what they're listing him as Hmm. all right um fuck because if if it's not james connor i don't trust benny snell to do this Uh, i'm gonna take 
you know, I'll just, I'll just go in your face. Deontay Johnson, the redemption song after he gets benched for all his dropsies, one of the highest dropsies players in the league. He's going to end his dropsies streak. I know Pete hates the word dropsies. I could feel it on the other side. Uh, the dropsies come to an end against Cincinnati, and Deontay Johnson is your winning captain in the showdown. I'm just surprised you didn't tout Seathan Carter, the backup to <laughs> Drew Sample on the Bengals. They're tied in. I know how much you love these backup tight ends. Is Seathan Carter actually a person? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't honestly, I don't, I didn't pull the players in yet. So I, I can't see anything besides the Vegas total in the overall matchup. Wow. Here. I thought you were sharp and you knew the, uh, the backup tight end that's, on the Bengals. No, I, I know for the Steelers, it's Vance McDonald. He's still hanging in there. So that's, that's what I look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Pete, uh, got the Wednesday show coming up. We're going to do our little holiday special where we will be getting plastered and doing, and doing the show as best we can. We'll still have good information on there that much. I promise you we're professionals here, but Pete, any other plugs you want to hit on the bankroll challenge video you have coming up on your YouTube tomorrow? Yep, uh, going to be doing that at 10 a.m. Eastern. I did take tomorrow off, so maybe it'll be a little later. Maybe I'll luxuriate in a morning where I don't have to just get up and start grinding. Uh, but yes, 10 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Tyler Conklin fans out there, you know how to contact us. If you play Tyler Conklin in your league, uh, Pete will back it up with his pocketbook uh, by, by going to uh, going to give you 100 bucks if you are playing in a four-cash league. Uh, one person only, though, not not every person who does this, because God forbid this is the one video we have that goes viral, and then all of a sudden you have to pay $15,000 to Tyler Conklin players. <laughs> I just want you to know I will be doing like uh, like government level background checks uh, checks uh, to verify these claims. So do not waste my time. And if you're actually Tyler Conklin, you cannot enter this contest. I uh, no, I, I will. Ju- if you are Tyler Conklin and you're watching this, no strings attached. I'll PayPal you a hundred bucks. <laughs> I would be hilarious if a backup tight end is like, hey Pete, give me a hundred bucks. <laughs> no one tag Tyler Conklin. <laughs> All right, guys, uh, that's it. This week's show. Hit that like button before you go. Follow at Peter Rivers at follow at Chris Bax. Follow at Splash Play Pod on Twitter and Instagram. We're following back unless you're private. Then I get confused if we already followed you and you rejected it. So I've, I've given up on that part of the process. But if you're a public account, we're following you back pretty fast afterwards. So uh, just do that at Splash Play Pod. Uh, the five stars and our review on Apple Podcasts help. The likes and the subscribes help out so much on YouTube. Give us that. And we'll be back with you guys on Wednesday for our Christmas special. So keep your eyes peeled there and uh happy holidays if we don't see you then but uh good luck ladies and gentlemen boop boop